Welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. Mills, what have we got this week? Taking a look around the grounds, female Queensland rugby league players will now earn equal pay to the men in the state of origin. Sport Australia Hall of Fame have announced their new inductees for 2021 and Elia Green retires from Rugby Sevens. For our key story, we'll discuss the AFL scrapping the dreaded skinfold test for new draftees. In the Budgie Smuggler Ice Bath, we chat to World Rugby Hall of Fame inductee Cheryl McAfee. And you can watch that. All our Budgie Smuggler Ice Bath interviews are now on YouTube, as well as all the highlight videos of all the stories we talk about on The Wrap. How good. And you can get a sneak peek of more summer merch. How good. Let's take a look around the grounds. In Rugby Sevens, Australian Sevens legend Elia Green has sadly officially retired from Rugby Sevens. The 28-year-old made the announcement via social media after a decade-long career in sevens. Elia debuted in 2012 at Houston, helping Australia to third place at the event. Elia was considered one of the most damaging players in rugby sevens history, sending players flying in all directions. Flying. (laughs) Elia also holds the title of Australia's highest try scorer with 141 tries. Oh, my gosh. And fourth highest ever behind New Zealand's Portia Woodman and Canadian duo Bianca Farilla and Ghislaine Landry. The Flyer would go on to play an integral role in Australia's historic 2016 Olympic campaign, scoring a try in the final to help secure the gold medal over New Zealand. Converted by yours truly. (laughs) I don't even know if I kicked that one. I don't remember a lot about that game. Elia missed selection for the 2021 Tokyo Games, which coach John Menenti described as one of the toughest decisions in his coaching career and probably not a very good decision, I would say. I agree with that. In boxing, the International Boxing Association, the AIBA, has delayed its Women's World Boxing Championships from December until March, blaming the coronavirus crisis and resulting restrictions in place across the globe. The postponement of the event will be a blow to women's boxers who have not been able to compete at a world championship since October 2019, when Yulan Yud in Russia played host. Some will have taken part in the Tokyo Olympic Games, but the boxing tournament there was run by the IOC boxing task force with the AIBA's Olympic recognition currently suspended. Interestingly, the men's world boxing championships concluded on Saturday, November 6th in Serbian capital Belgrade. I love how that's just a little addition. Like it's too hard. Actually, we can't make it go ahead for the women, but the men have just finished their competition. Play on. (sighs) Exhausting. In rugby league, for the first time, elite female rugby league players representing Queensland will receive the same money as their male counterparts for playing state of origin. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. The Queensland Rugby League announced that players who take part in camps and are selected for the Queensland Maroons Women's State of Origin Series will receive a fee of $15,000, the same as that given to the players in the men's team. So we've seen Captain of Queensland, Ali Brigginshaw, supporting the decision, saying it takes a lot of the pressure off I guess the financial constraints, having to leave your family and friends behind to actually go into these camps and represent your state um, on the big stage. So starting early next year, there's going to be a series of camps for a a revised squad of 30 players. So if you go to the first lot of camps, you get $4,000. Then if you're selected for the next cut, which I think is 19 players, you get another $7,000. Then if you play the games, you get a match payment of four grand. So in total, they've got the capacity to earn $15,000. Unlike the men, it's only a one match series. So obviously the men play the the three games every year. And and what the Queensland coach Tani Norris has said is that this financial freedom, in a sense, almost gives the players more time 
and allows them to actually adequately prepare for a three-game series. So hopefully yeah. in future that's something they address. The NRL last week released the draw for the postponed NRLW 2021 season. So round one will kick off on February 27th when Foundation Club St. George Illawarra come up against newcomers, the Gold Coast, at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle. The season will run for seven weeks and will align its calendar with the NRL from round three with games scheduled to be played alongside the men's competition throughout March, including double headers. In general sport news, the Sport Australia Hall of Fame has announced their new inductees for 2021, including cycling legend Anna Mears, cricketer Karen Rolton, hurdler Jana Pittman and 12-time Paralympian Libby Kosmala. So the inductees will be honoured on December 2nd when the winners of the Don and the Dawn Awards will also be announced. So the Don Award recognises current the current Australian athlete or team whose achievements over the last 12 months are considered to have the most um, have most inspired the nation. So last year that was won by the Australian women's T20 World Cup winning cricket team um, who were victorious um, playing in front of a record 86,000 fans at the MCG. I was at that game. It was incredible. They were just the second team to win the Don Award in the award's 23-year history. And the Dawn Award is being awarded for the first time this year to honour an individual team or organisation from this or a previous generation who are courageous, brave and have changed sport for the better. That's really special, isn't it? Yeah. Can we also just quickly address Libby Kosmala, 12-time Paralympian? 12-time Paralympian. So she did 12 in a row and her first one was in Germany in 1972 and she competed all the way up until 2016 in Rio. That is bonkers. How that's insane four, is that? That's 44 years on the Olympic circuit. Whoa. My gosh. In cricket, Jess Jonasson has become the first cricketer to reach 100 WBBL matches. She's never missed a game for the Brisbane Heat, recording 100 games, 115 wickets and two Big Bash titles. Jess was immense in the Heat's victory over the Sixers on the weekend, taking three for 15 with the ball, helping her team restrict the Sydney side to only seven from 91 in their 20 overs. The loss leaves the Sixers in real danger of missing the finals of WBBL 07, while the Heat are hot on the heels of the leaders, Melbourne Renegades. In motorsport, New Zealand rally ace Emma Gilmore will become the first woman to race for McLaren when she suits up for their Extreme E team in 2022, joining Aussie Molly Taylor, who races for the Rosberg X Racing on the Extreme E circuit. Gilmore has more than 20 years of experience in motor racing. In 2016, she became the first and only female to date to win a New Zealand Rally Championships event, the Rally of Canterbury, and was runner-up in the championship three years straight. Let's take a look at the key story. The AFL has scrapped standard skinfold testing on draft prospects, a decision that has caused much debate between sporting figures who believe the internationally common body fat measurement tool is a form of body shaming and those who view it as a legitimate method of gauging the fitness and physical condition of athletes. So for people who have not um, had the joy of experiencing a skinfold test, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it would probably be similar to like tiny barbecue tongs that hurt. (laughs) That took me a while to get those words out. And they find this usually seven sites on your body that they test. So usually biceps, triceps, under your shoulder, two on your belly, one on your thigh and one in the back of your calf. And they get these little pincers and squeeze and measure how many millimeters of fat you've got. And then they add it all up. And from there, there's kind of ranges that they consider to be healthy, unhealthy. You need to lose weight, put on weight, whatever it looks like. But it's, it's looking at your body fat as a percentage of your total body mass. 
Um, so we've seen a little bit of backlash about the fact that AFL is scrapping this for new draftees, but I really like what AFLW player Darcy Vessio and TFAP graphic designer has said. She said, if we're serious about mental health and well-being of players and society, then why slam a change that promotes that? The impact of body image issues and fat shaming is deep. And we also saw former Sydney Swans player Luke Ablett say he still has body image issues over skin folds and the fear of being put in fat farm. The AFL have only banned the test on draft prospects and strangely draftees can still be tested for the skin folds the moment they step into their new club environment despite the practice being banned before they're actually selected. Um, The AFL is focusing on the mental health impacts for players that miss out on being drafted. The AIS have supported the decision saying if the tests are to be carried out, they should be supported by appropriate nutritional and possibly psychological support, infrastructure that is available when you're in a club setup. Netball Australia is unique in that it only tests for skin folds on its senior national team. The practice operates on a strictly opt-in basis and those who volunteer must be over the age of 18. The results are confidential and not used as a metric, rather a tool for Diamonds players to assess their progress. The organization's sports nutrition manager, Kerry Leach, is developing a new eating disorder policy, which includes guidelines around skin fold testing. You obviously have played elite sport and I'm sure you've had the experience of getting a skin fold test. Yeah, I think I've sat at an interesting end of the scale. I've been quite fortunate in the sense that um, because of my body type, I'm often trying to bulk and put on weight. Like I'm having bulk protein shakes all the time. There was a point in my rugby career where I'd eat all my normal meals throughout the day and my protein. And then on the way home, I'd have to get a cheeseburger to try and get extra calories in to try and put weight on. Um, So I think for me, I've been able to use the skin fold test as a measure of whether I'm putting on muscle mass rather than worrying too much about the results of my skin fold test. It was just a good measure that I could use for performance in that sense. But I think even looking at the test as a whole, it's a really uncomfortable procedure to find the areas on your body that store the most fat and to have them squeezed and measured. And I think a lot of the time it's often done in front of other teammates and in front of other staff. And I think that that's quite an uncomfortable experience looking particularly at whether it's young girls or young boys, but we know with women's sport that biologically women generally have a higher body fat percentage as well. So I think the mental impacts on that are, are quite big. So I really like the way that Netball Australia have done it, looking at senior players and people that can say, yeah, I'm, I'm choosing to do it or I'm choosing not to, yeah. whether or not they want to use it for a performance measure or not. Yeah, totally. Like I remember getting a skin fold test in, in school. I can't remember if it was junior or high school. And as you described it, it's quite an invasive test. Like mm. someone grabbing at your the fat on your body and putting these metal tongs around it to measure the centimeters of it. And especially, yeah, when it can cause so many different body image issues. I think there's plenty more ways to test that. Um, you know, there's obviously like DEXA scans and, yeah, and things like that uh, yeah. where it not only gives you your body fat percentage, but it also gives you some other useful metrics. Yeah, absolutely. Now it's time for the budgie smuggler ice bath. Cheryl McAfee will be inducted into the World Rugby Hall of Fame. Cheryl is only the 12th woman in history to be awarded this honour, which she earned after years of domination on the field, an exceptional contribution off it. Cheryl captained Australia at the first ever Sevens World Cup and led them to the title in Dubai in 2009. In 2012, after retiring, she joined World Rugby's Rugby Committee and spearheaded Rugby Sevens Drive to be included as an Olympic sport. Chloe caught up with Shares earlier this week. Shez, thanks so much for coming on and having a chat. Um, before we we chat about the the big award, uh, can we start with how you first got into playing rugby? Okay, so I first got 
um, first went to rugby through some friends, some touch football friends. Um, I was in Perth at the time and um, they were just like, there was a, a couple of them that were like, oh, you know, come along and play play rugby. You'll be great, like, on the wing. And I'm like, no way, man. That is just too rough. I'm too small. Those girls are way too big. It's too scary. So I was just like, they're like, no, you'll be fine. You just, just you come along, you just run on the wing, you'll be, you'll be fine, be great. And so I went down <clears throat> and I was just like lost. Like, cause my girlfriend was like, okay, you were, wherever I am, she was 13 outside center. She goes, wherever I am, you're going to be on, be on my outside. So of course, you know, place, which is from side to side. And I'm just like chasing her all over the field. Like, I'm going to stay on her outside. I just got to stay on her outside. So I was like, Oh my God, this is really hard. There's a lot of running. But anyway, that was my first kind of, um, my first intro to rugby. That's very cool. Um, and you had an, an absolutely incredible career in both formats and sevens and, and 15s. Have you got a specific highlight from your, from your time? The one that really sticks out for me, my most memorable um, rugby highlight would have to be when we, at a national level, it was um, playing against New Zealand um, um, and Samoa for the uh, the Oceania qualifier to go to the 2009 Rugby World Cup. Um, and we, we, we played them in the round game and we beat them like 15 15 nil or 15 five it was something like that but it was like you know three tries to one and um we're like oh my god that was the first time we'd ever beaten New Zealand because we'd always played them in 15s and we'd always lost we would always lose to them like every time by a, a significant amount so um you know for to beat them the first time we were like oh my god so I just remember it being a really incredible feeling and then that was in the round games and then in the finals um we were like, okay, let's just prove to ourselves that it wasn't a fluke and, you know, we've got nothing to lose. And sure enough, when we did win and beat them, we were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like this, yeah, that was the, that was my, the highlight of my, uh, my uh, rugby career, I would say. And on top of your playing career, you also played a pretty integral role in lobbying to get rugby included for the first time, rugby sevens included for the first time in the Olympics. How did it feel after all your efforts contributing to that when you heard the announcement that it was going to be included in Rio? Well, we were there, uh, you know, pitching to the IOC. And um, when we found out, I mean, you, there's some footage of us finding out. And we were just so elated and just so relieved. And, you know, we'd been practicing and meeting up all over the, like, all over, like, in England and Copenhagen. And we'd done quite a bit of, quite a bit of work to try and, um, just try and get our point across to them and just make sure that we put on a really good presentation. So, um, when we found out, we were just, it was just such a great feeling. It was just an awesome feeling knowing that our sport was going to be an Olympic sport. Very cool. And then heading over to Rio, obviously, um, a pretty cool experience for, for players, but also spectators in the crowd having a couple <laughs> of beers. And one of my favorite stories was that we, after winning the gold medal, we got back to one of the hotels or, or a bar in a hotel, wherever we were. And there was somebody who ordered a hundred burgers for the players. <laughs> Do you put your hand up and take responsibility for that decision? watching <laughs> this. <laughs> Um, I take no responsibility. You know what? He doesn't. He's not the CEO anymore. So 
<laughs> Jordan and Ethan this year anymore, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, I might have put my might have had a hand in that. <laughs> I love that. So you've now been recognized um, with an induction into the World Rugby Hall of Fame. How does it feel? Do you feel like you have the perspective to look back and appreciate how significant that is yet? Like, is there has that sunk in? No, it's so it's so interesting. Funny that you said that because I just feel like it hasn't sunk in as much as it probably could have because of the situation that we're in right now. And you know, I found out and I didn't even say anything to my husband for like the first twenty four hours. So it was like this doesn't really feel real. This is just weird. Such a weird feeling. But, um, and then the fact that, you know, it's all virtual Mm. was just like, it's a little wild, but you know, it is what it is. And I think for me, it finally hit when they sent a filming crew here to the house and, you know, we were here for like four hours and they had like the crew here with the lights and then it was all kind of happening. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I got super emotional when they were just asking me certain questions has it sunk in yet uh, yeah it has a little bit more and more every time and every time I see people or family and just keep hearing from people and everybody's you know sending me messages and stuff it's that's a pretty pretty awesome feeling and I just want to say again congratulations on being recognized um, and everything that you achieved as a player and I guess all the work you've continued to do um, off the field as well. Like even looking at my personal experience, I wouldn't have had the chance to go and play at the Olympics and, and win a gold medal if it wasn't for the work that you and many others have done. So thank you for everything that you've done and, and continue to do um, for the for the sport and for women in rugby. No, you're welcome. Um, I'm just glad that you guys are given the opportunity. Like, yes, I did have a little hand in helping it get into the Olympics, but you guys do the hard work. You know, you do those two a days, three a days. You guys are in the gym grinding. You're on the field grinding. You're like just taking care of your bodies, doing everything. You're you're all in. You're all committed. And so thank you um, for winning the first ever uh, Olympic gold medal. That was incredible to watch in person. I I was just so happy to be a part of that and see it live in person. So thank you. That's really cool. Thank you for that. Let's take a look at what to watch. In cricket, our WBBL, WBBL <laughs> matchup of the week is the top of the table clash between the Renegades and the Heat on Saturday at 7.05 p.m. This might be a sneak peek of the final. Mm-hmm. Um, you can watch on Fox Cricket and Channel 7. In what to listen to. This week, season two, episode seven of the TFAT podcast, I had a chat with Vanessa Lowe, who is an incredible Paralympic long jumper. So Vanessa originally competed, she's German born, so she originally competed for Germany in the Olympics, recently transferred to now compete for Australia, which we were stoked about, won a gold medal in the long jump and broke her own world record. Like, I think three times in the one event. Insane. Like not only once, but three times. <laughs> yeah, she is an incredible athlete with an amazing story. So that episode will drop this Thursday, the 18th. Ooh. Yeah, let's go with that. Yes. <laughs> of November. So if you haven't subscribed already, make sure you hit that button so that you don't miss out on that episode. And don't forget, you can watch all these episodes, get all the highlights and the interview with Shez on our YouTube channel. So you can click the link in our show notes or um, click the link in our bio on our Instagram at the Female Athlete Project. You will also get some, another little sneak peek into some more summer merch that's coming. Mm-hmm. Very I'm exciting. excited. Real soon too. Mm-hmm. And that's the wrap. See you next week, Chloe. Bye. Bye. <laughs>